I've got to say, I'm a little bit embarrassed to say this, that I was one of these people who was very wasteful and not conscious at all. And, you know, in the last six months since I launched this business, I've done a 360, you know. You've come a long way. You got to accentuate the positive. Welcome to ATP Radio. I'm your host, Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, showing you how to accentuate the positive, the way to a better life. Your radio station is an example of the future existing right now. Clap along if you feel like that's what you want to do. Good morning. You're with Karen, accentuating the positive. And I've got Kathy Wong in the studio with me. We're going to chat to Kathy about her journey. She's been on quite a journey into the heart and into helping people in the world. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, Karen. Wonderful to be here with you today. Yeah, great to have you on the show. So we're going to hear all about Kathy's journey. She started a new business, a social entrepreneur business, and she's helping the Hope Foundation, which helps children in it's India, isn't in it? India. Yeah, now tell me, how did it all start? She's got a business which is a social entrepreneur business. So when you buy her product, obviously you help people in India, you help children in India. I posted on the Difference Makers Facebook page the other day, Richard Branson saying that every business in the world should be a business that makes a difference. And I absolutely agree that every business in the world should be a business that makes a difference. So tell me how it all started with you. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Richard Branson is definitely one of my big um, influences and mentors. Yeah, look, it was uh, last February actually that uh, I woke up from what I thought was a dream, which was really this voice telling me that I needed to go and make a difference in the world. And it came really loud and really, really strong. And, you know, it just wouldn't go away and um, it was just haunting me really. Uh, So after a month I thought I needed to really listen to this and I'd had a pretty good life. I've been, you know, an entrepreneur most of my life running businesses and uh, took some time out for about nine years to retire and, and, you know, live the dream. And so this morning in uh, February that I remember really clearly, I, I got these words saying make a difference And I, you know, the rest is history, really. I decided that, okay, I would listen to that. And I thought, well, how the hell do I make a difference? I mean, how do I know how to do that? So I think that's a question a lot of people are asking too, because I think that that urge within most of us is we want to make a difference in some way, whether it's in our relationships or friendships or in business. Yeah. So when you said, how the hell do I make a difference? What did you come up with? (laughs) Well, that's right. I thought I went through, you know, various thoughts and then I basically decided that, you know, I would share positive messages with people. Uh You know, I thought, I set out with the thought if I could just touch one person and just make them smile, that would be a starting point. Yeah. And, you know, positive messages, affirmations, mantras had always been really important in my life. Exactly. And I thought, okay, that's what I'll do. And being the dinosaur that I was, I knew nothing about Facebook or social media. You know, my friends had constantly asked me to get onto these platforms and I said, no, you know, why should I? We've got really? phones, we've got the rest of it, you know, and uh, so I Kathy, resisted. Kathy, I know, Kathy. I know, I know. I resisted, You're not resisted. old enough to have that. 
No, I'm I am, sorry. I am. Anyway. No, you're not. <laughs> but you were living in the country, so you weren't really in the thick of it in the city. I don't know, maybe in the... No, that's true. I'd become a country girl, yeah. you know, Pitt Street farmer. Yeah. Pitt Street farmer, that's yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I came back to the big smoke and then there was suddenly, you know, all this noise, social media. And so, yeah, that's how I started. I basically started, you know, putting uh, positive messages together on a Facebook page and getting to know how that worked and then uh, discovered that people really started to connect with me and that absolute strangers were actually coming to me and telling me that, you know, I'd made a difference in their lives. They, you know, put a smile on their face. And I thought, wow. That's encouraging, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. It's mm. like, uh, wow, you know. Yeah. So I wanted to do more. And it was around that same time I started learning about poverty and I started learning about especially children in poverty, you know, and that I don't know, it just really, really touched me and I thought I need to do something here with the children. Yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely. I know we're so, I don't know, lucky in the West, aren't we? And, oh, my uh, God, we have no idea. We have no idea. No. The majority of the world is, mm. is well, I think 80% of the population of the world lives under what we deem as a poverty line. Our poverty line is their abundance line. Yeah, exactly. At, until you travel, you just have no idea. And we yeah. have so much money in the West that is circulating and going to waste, really. Oh, there is, you know. And I've got to say, you know, I'm a little bit embarrassed to say this, that I was one of these people who was very wasteful and, you know, not conscious at all. And, uh, you know, in the last six months since I launched this business, I've done a 360, you know. You've come a long way from someone who's like, I don't want to get on social media. What's that? (laughs) What's the internet? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And all the rest of it, you know. You've come a long way. Kathy has a social entrepreneur business that when you buy her product, you help put shoes on the feet of kids in India. She does that by supporting the Hope Foundation, which is a foundation that supports children in India in poverty. There's lots of foundations out there. Hope is one of them. And one of the founders of Hope is coming out. That's right. We've got uh, both the, one of the uh, founders, uh, Rosie Stroud, and we've also got uh, John Paul O'Sullivan, who's the director of Hope in the UK. Mm. visiting us uh, next week, actually, for an event that we're holding on Tuesday night. Yeah, which we'll talk about in a minute. But I wanted to talk to you about your childhood because you said before that you were interested in helping children. Mm. Is that something that stemmed from your childhood? Because you were born here in Australia. Yeah, I'm a banana. You're a banana? that expression? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But your parents were from? Yeah, well, my parents were from, dad was from Hong Kong and mum was from New Guinea. And, you know, they both came here when they were quite young. Mum came here when she was six. Right. On a submarine fleeing the Japanese uh, during World War Two. Yeah. She doesn't remember a lot because uh, I suppose it must have been a very traumatic experience. She does tell stories about how they were running through the jungle with, um, you know, her mother and uh, her three sisters. And one of the sisters... Edna was actually born in the jungle and uh, my grandmother had only given birth, you know, just over 12 months earlier or 14 months earlier and she was not going to take Edna. She couldn't see how she could manage uh, all four girls and so Margaret, the oldest girl, said that she would take uh, Edna with her and, of course, um, you know, those two girls have a very, very special bond because every time... um, 
you know, Edna is not doing something that Margaret wants. Uh, Margaret reminds her of that. Yeah. <laughs> so Edna's really nice. your mum? No, Jan is my mum. Oh. Jan, uh, mum's the second oldest right. of the four girls that were fleeing at that time. Yeah. Wow, amazing stories. Mm. Has she written that story down? No, she hasn't. We keep encouraging her to do that because, um, you know, we think it's just an amazing story. But I, I really think that she still is in a bit of denial about that story. Mm, yeah. Mm, yeah. Amazing times in those. And your dad's mm. from Hong Kong? Yeah, dad's from Hong Kong. He came here when he was a little bit older. He came here at 14, but on his own. He wow. had no family and he was sent here, you know, as a lot of um, Chinese immigrants did at that stage. They sent their, uh, you know, children over to, to make a living and send money back for the family. At 14? Yeah, I know. Wow. I know. So pretty amazing. I mean... Uh, you know, I'm sure you. What do you? What were you doing when you were 14, Cara? Oh, thinking know? about buying yeah. shoes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thinking you about know? which boy liked yeah. me. Yes, that was right. pretty much 90% of my thoughts when <laughs> yeah. I was 14. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I can't picture it at all. Oh wow, that's mm. amazing. And what was your childhood like in Australia growing up? Yeah, I, had I suppose a, in the 60s you were growing up yes, in the 60s. Yes, definitely a baby boomers, yeah, yeah like yourself. Um, uh, we're past the baby. The baby boomers <laughs> stopped at the late 50s, I think. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Well, whatever that other generation was after that one. Yeah. But um, no, I mean I basically grew up like, you know, um, lots of Chinese immigrants' um, children in a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> in a Chinese restaurant. In a Chinese restaurant, as you do, exactly. And, uh, you know, my parents had a pretty challenging life. Um, they came here, they had nothing and, you know, they did they did very, very well, you know, down the track. But uh, they came and they worked extremely hard. I remember Dad having three jobs at one stage until he could actually put the restaurant together. Mm-hmm. And it was during the time when, as I said, they had no money so everything was on higher purchase. And Dad tells these stories that he had like one month to, you know, make sure he started having some income coming in so he could pay off the, you know, the higher purchase. And luckily everything worked out. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, mum was spare because she was just panicking. Did she do the cooking? No, no. Dad did the cooking Dad and, and the mum cooking. was outside. Mum was doing, you know, they she both She was front knew. desk. She was front desk, uh-huh. exactly. Did exactly. you work in the restaurant? Yes. So and I was on all the desks. <laughs> Were you waiting the table? No, no. I was being this little precocious child, you know, running around with my little notepad and uh, my pens and hopping on, you know, customers' laps and asking questions and, you know, being the, the old Miss, uh, the little Miss Habitat. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's hysterical. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I know we were talking before, before the uh, while the song was on, we were talking about Chinese, and you were saying that the Chinese food was the first meal that I had that wasn't chops and peas. Yeah, like my parents can't hail from my mother came from her parents were English, and so we grew up in chops and peas, or yeah. mashed potato, really plain food, really yes. really plain food, and then Dad brings home the Chinese. <laughs> Takeaway. Never seen anything like it. And I remember sitting at the table going, I'm not going to eat it. I'm not going to eat it. (laughs) Did you eat it with chopsticks? Well, yeah, I think the chopsticks made me fascinated because I wanted to master the chopstick. Mm. And that made me interested in the food, actually, because, you know, that dad brings out the chopsticks because he was a businessman. So he was traveling the world. And um, I was refusing to eat anything that was different (laughs) to peas and chops. And I remember eating it and thinking, Actually, this is really nice. <laughs> but I'm not going to tell mum and dad that because I'm going to be right. 
about how I don't like it. So eventually you had to give in, though. I had to give in. Yeah. Oh, my pride, I know. Well, well those days we actually had uh, the Chinese menu actually had fish and chips and right. chicken Maryland and we had to keep those things on the menu for a few years actually until, you know, everyone converted over to sweet and sour pork and fried rice. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So how did your childhood shape you? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it really instilled the values in in me around, you know, hard work and and respect and kindness. And I felt that being in the restaurant, seeing how my parents worked, I mean, they really were incredible. They just did everything for us, you know, for us kids and gave us all the opportunities that they never had. And so... um, that really instilled in me the value of um, family, the value of hard work and, um, you know, and just dad was the the real go-getter, I suppose. And so he taught me about you can do anything you want to do Mm. if you put your mind to it. Great lesson. Mm. Fabulous lesson. Yeah. Yeah. So you became an entrepreneur quite young, did you? You didn't go out into the corporate work and work for the man? Oh, no, I did work for the other side. (laughs) For uh, it was um, not not just on two years. That's right. So it was a very short time in that uh, that chapter of my life. And yeah, and then the then I went straight out into being an entrepreneur. And what was your first business? Yeah. My first business was a design business. Yeah. So I've always been in because I trained as a designer. So it's always been in the creative area, yeah. design and marketing. Yeah, beautiful. Mm. Wow. And the Hope Foundation. How did you connect with them? Yeah, well, that's a really interesting story too because when I set out doing this business, I knew I needed a charity partner to make this dream possible and I wrote, I probably wrote about 100 letters off to different charities of ones that I thought would be, you know, appropriate to what I was doing and you know what, Karen, out of those 100, only two wrote back to me and that was to say thank you but no thank you. They were just so busy and under-resourced that they felt that in, you know, me working with them. I mean, all I wanted was to be able to give them the money. And they said, no, thank you. No. Wow. Yeah, which was really quite a eye-opener for me. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. Well, we'll hear more about the Hope Foundation and what they're doing over there when we come back because they are a fantastic charity and that just blows me away to think that all those people are like, can I give you some money? No, we're too busy. (laughs) We're too busy stressing out. Listen to the man. Don't worry about a thing. Everything's going to be all right. Good morning. You're with Karen accentuating the positive. I'm here with Kathy Wong. Who's <laughs> a difference maker. We've been chatting. You can't, you know, the girls in the studio. Yep, 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 yep. Oh, the song's finishing. Get <laughs> Quick, back get on, on there. there. <laughs> We've been chatting about making a difference in the world. And Kathy was someone who had her own businesses in design and she moved to the country and then thought, nope. I want to make a difference. So she started a new business, which is called Moloco, which sells flip-flops. You That's have to right. say it well, Flip-flops, thong. not thongs. <laughs> flip-flops, not thongs. Because when you say a thong in America, they think they're talking about a G-string, don't they? That's right. You get that raised eyebrow when you say the thong. <laughs> Selling thongs, you think. That uh, obviously when you buy them, she supports Hope Foundation.
organisation which helps kids in India. So you were saying before that you you reached out to about 100 charities Mm. and said, I want to support your charity with my business. Yes. And you said only two wrote back. Yeah, exactly to say because, you know, they saw me as being a burden on them and I didn't want anything but just to give them money and to distribute the shoes that I wanted to give to the children. Yeah, wow. And so Hope mm. wrote back and what's uh, how did it Well, no, happen? no, what happened was, you know, it was serendipity. So I was getting quite desperate because I thought I cannot do this by myself. What do I know about, you know, running a charity? Yeah. And I knew I needed a charity partner and because I needed them on the ground to be able to do the distribution of the shoes and uh, I put it out there on Facebook. I asked every single person I knew and there were a few people that came back with different charities but they weren't really the right charities for us. And then I just happened to ask um, a, a lovely man, Robert, at a event one weekend and I said, do you know anybody who is involved in, you know, any charities that could be uh, suitable for what I'm doing? And he said, oh, you know what, I have this really good mate, Julie, and she goes up, you know, several times a year to an orphanage. Maybe she could help. So he gave me her number and I called Julie and we just hit it off and she said, look, let me uh, introduce you to Hope over there in the UK and let's take it from there. And that's what happened and we just instantly, you know, um, bonded and uh, I started working with the Hope Foundation. Fabulous. Yeah. Yeah, fabulous. So how do they help the kids? What's their criteria? What do they do? Yeah. I mean, they're an amazing organisation that have been going for about 35 years, founded by an Irish woman uh, called Maureen Forrest out of Cork. And Maureen was deeply touched when, I'm not sure if she actually met Mother Teresa personally or she was just inspired by Mother Teresa. She was a social care worker herself. Yeah. And when she saw the plight of the children in Calcutta, where Mother Teresa comes from, she just knew she had to make a difference. And so 35 years ago, she started up the orphanages there. And I don't know if you know this, Karen, but Calcutta is like the most dangerous city in the world for young girls. Right. And India has the highest rate of human trafficking in the world. Wow. So I just feel, you know, blessed that the charity in a way found me. You know, because I was not deliberately picking India or, you know, in fact, I was quite overwhelmed by where should I go because there was there's so many people in the world needing help. What's your connection with Mother Teresa? Do you have a connection with her? I don't have real, well, I mean, Mother Teresa has always been an inspiration to me. You know, I don't have the same sort of deep connection that uh, Maureen obviously uh, has, but, you know, um, know a lot of her quotes, you know, know a lot of her thinking. Yeah. uh, And she is an amazing woman. And so, yeah, it's drawn me more into, you know, uh, her, her world, of course, through this work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because what I love about Hope too is they take kids from three right through to 23. So not only do they provide them with the education and the security and, and the comfort, they actually then when the children are old enough, they train them with their training facilities for various uh, jobs, careers, so that they can actually then go out and, you know, work and then, you know, help others. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, so that's quite amazing. You can check out our website which is uh, www.moloco, which is spelt M-O-E-L-O-C-O, moloco.com. You know, because while we are, you know, working with the Hope Foundation for our particular cause, the club is not just about our cause. The club is about bringing together like-minded people 
who want to do, um, you know, some cool stuff in the world, who want to change the world. And poverty might not be the area you want to change. That's perfectly fine. It might be an environmental issue. It might just be making the world kinder, whatever it is. The Moloko Club is all about inspiring those changes in the world we want to see. Hmm. Making a difference, honey, (laughs) making a difference. So that's fantastic. If you want to help change the world, you can get in touch with Kathy. Send me an email, accentuate the positive radio at Gmail. It's fantastic. Congratulations on what you're doing. It's wonderful. Thanks, Karen. Oh, look, I've had a fun morning. It's been really, really cool. <laughs> and thanks for the chai tea too, the chai, yeah. chai latte. That was just a no, boom. No, no, that's a pleasure and I've learned how to kiss the microphone so uh, I now have a new skill to add to my CV. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Too good. Thanks again, honey. Bye for now. Bye. Thanks for listening to Accentuate the Positive Radio. For more fascinating conversations with inspired thought leaders and change makers and difference makers, go to karenswain.com. K-A-R-E-N-S-W-A-I-N.com. And you'll find all sorts of fabulous things on the website. People to inspire you, things to watch, and loads of enlightenment. You can also book a session for a deliberate creation guidance reading with me remember to go to our facebook page accentuate the positive radio with karen swain on facebook and show us your love thanks again for listening bye for now